Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole, everybody. I am Jeremy. I'm your host today. And today on Infinite Rabbit Hole, we have a new feature on this show and a very special guest as we get a chance to talk with our very first author. He is a punk rock musician and a man who loves folklore, monsters, and UFO stories. He has appeared on other talk shows such as Midnight FM and the world famous Coast to Coast AM and will be soon appearing on an unannounced episode of a show on the Travel Channel. He is an explorer for the New York Bigfoot Society and a co-host for the radio show, and he is here today to chat with us about his newly released book published by Beyond the Fray Publishing. The author of the Amazon best-selling American Cryptids in Pursuit of the Elusive Creatures, I am extremely excited and honored to welcome the cryptopunkologist, Kenny W. Irish. Kenny, how's it going, man? Fantastic, Jeremy. How are you doing today? Happy Saturday. Hey, happy Saturday, man. Where are you at right now? Are you in New York? I am, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, about 20 minutes or so south of uh, Saratoga Springs and probably 30, 40 minutes uh, west of Albany. Man, I don't, I don't know how it was up there, but I, I'm in uh, Hampton Roads, Virginia, and it was a gorgeous day out. I had to go out and mow the lawn. I actually wanted <laughs> to get out there today and mow the lawn. Wow. <laughs> wow. You're already getting your uh, sneakers all grass stained, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The the new ones from last year are this year's lawn mowing shoes return. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so, New York, that brings me into my first question. Before we get into the meat of this, this whole interview, Whitehall, how far are you from Whitehall? I am about, I'd say, maybe an hour and a half yeah, probably about an hour and a half from Whitehall, where where, where my uh, home is. Um, the research area that I research is is pretty much like about five minutes from Whitehall. So, but my home where I live is uh yeah right, probably about an hour hour and a half uh, time frame right around in there, depending on uh, traffic. Being that close to Whitehall, you have got to have some solid research done on the beast, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, everybody knows, you know. Whitehall, New York's the epicenter, you know, for um, Bigfoot sightings and activity on uh, the East Coast. So, oh uh, yeah, it, it's 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 really cool. And and you know, anybody who's never been to Whitehall, I mean, it's um, it's a small little town, but it's got a lot of a lot of history. It's got a lot of lore behind it, and uh, they have this this beautiful beautiful statue um, right out um, on the, the the main road and. Uh, of a, a, a Bigfoot, it's probably like like ten feet high, and it's just it's it's awesome. So if anybody has an opportunity, you know, to to go through there or even just look it up online, it's a beautiful statue. There's a an iron company, I believe, that's out of Whitehall, and they ended up um, making it and then putting it by the side of the road, and they ended up adding a baby uh, Bigfoot to it as well. So it's it's really no neat way. to look at. It's worth looking up. It really is definitely going to be planning a trip up there i, I want to get up there uh one day for their sasquatch fest i heard it's awesome yep that's uh i believe it's the 28th 28th of this year in september that's my goal is to go up there to the sasquatch fest this year if, oh, if awesome. they're still gonna have it hopefully fingers crossed yeah as of right now um it's it's on um uh the organizer's been talking to me about it because last year i was uh supposed to speak at it and uh, obviously got canceled due to covid so this year i'm supposed to speak at it with uh paul bartholomew and uh so we'll we'll see what happens as long as uh covid remains under control and people keep you know doing doing the right things that you know the the town's asking them to do we should it shouldn't be an issue it should go through and, and happen because it, it it's an outside event anyways so you know again we'll see we'll see what happens fingers crossed yes sir <laughs> 
All right, so let's talk about the reason why I have you here today. You just published a, a new book at the beginning of the month called American Cryptids in Pursuit of the Elusive Creatures. As soon as I seen that you were advertising it on a few Facebook pages that I belong to, um, I believe that I saw it on the Cryptozoology Facebook page and then also on my buddy uh, David Thundercloud's Facebook page. Okay, yeah. Bigfoot United and Worldwide uh, mm-hmm. Facebook page. I was like, oh man, that's awesome. I got to get this. And I looked you up on Amazon. There it is. I'm like, done. I just took a shot in the dark and I was like, I wonder if this guy would come on and talk to me a little bit. And sure enough, you're a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> to a degree. <laughs> well, I just want to start off by saying thank you. I really do appreciate you coming on here and talking to me about this fantastic book that you put out. And I'm excited to dive in because I've got questions, man. No, no, I, I, absolutely. You know, again, you know, I, I, I appreciate any opportunity to come on and, uh, um, you know, get to know folks and, and everybody. So, um, you know, thanks for thanks for reaching out. I'm glad we were able to. Uh, um, you know, get it all squared away and make it work. The, I love the format of this book. You know, I didn't do any research into it before I actually bought it. I didn't read the synopsis or anything. I saw American Cryptids. I know that you're obviously a fan of Bigfoot because you were on the Bigfoot United and Worldwide page. And I said, I'm going to get this book. So I opened it up and come to find out you did something pretty unique and really cool. You broke each chapter down by state. Every state in the United States has a small handful of cryptids that are talked about, and you were able to find something in all 50 states. I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I didn't realize that you had this format where you were putting one Bigfoot story into every state until about the eighth or ninth state. And I was like, is there a Bigfoot story in every one of them? I had to like look ahead. I was like, oh, man, he threw a Bigfoot story in every one of them. And then I come to find out you named each chapter after that particular story about the Bigfoot. And I was like, this is, I was so stoked. (laughs) I had to jump ahead immediately to Hawaii. Sure. And the reason why is because Hawaii is the one state in the United States where there's no Bigfoot sightings. Mm -hmm. So I had to see what you found and I'm not going to put it out. I'm going to keep people guessing, but you did it, man. You found something to put in there for Hawaii, and I just want to say kudos, man. What an awesome thing to do, man. Oh, well, thank you. I I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, I mean, the layout of the book and the format, you know, I've I've mentioned this to a lot of folks before. You know, when I started writing the book, I was just pretty much following along what all the greats have already done. You know, the Lauren Coleman's, the Ken Gerhards, the Lyle Blackburn's, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm pretty much just kind of copying what they're doing. And it's like, I got to come up, I got to come up with something. And so what I mean by that, like, you know, the book originally started out like chapter one, the Wendigo chapter two, the Chupacabra, you know, and just talking about, you know, the, the legendary uh, creature. And I was just like, you know, I got to do something different. And uh, so I was just brainstorming over and over and over. And I, I thought about it and I'm like, you know what, what, what if I add the, the, like, say I'm talking about Mothman, why don't I add a little bit of, um, you know, history from, you know, the state and, uh, you know, do something like that. And the more I thought about it and the more I put it together, I'm like, wait a minute, I got an idea. So that's, that's how I came up with a format for each, each chapter, because you know, I, again, I just didn't want to do what everybody has already done. I wanted to be able to, you know, bring something, you know, different. And, you know, as an author, I, I'm the type of author where I I feel like I'm kind of narrating my, 
my writings and publications. So I was like, you know, I want to take people on a trip. How do I take people on a trip? Pretty much through my 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 crazy mind of uh, um, uh, cryptids and lore. How do I do this? And uh, and that's when I decided I'm I'm like, all right, well, you know what? Why don't I do all fifty states? Um, I know it's it's going to be a lot of work because there's a lot of fact checking that you have to do. But I also love history when it comes to states as well. And uh, and I'm I'm a big fan of uh, um, Native American lore, and that's really where I do a lot of my research is based off of you know, their encounters and their history. So um, that's kind of how I came up with the uh, the format and the layout of the book. Um, and uh, again, I, my goal was to take people, you know, across the country on a journey, like a travelogue, if you will, uh, to each state and, you know, just give some information, give some uh, information history, you know, on the Native American tribe from there and, and you know, the, the popular cryptids and uh, and then from there, you know, talk about a, uh, um, a Bigfoot encounter, which that in itself, um, was a challenge at first because I didn't know how I was going to do it because I'm like, I can't travel to all 50 States. And I also didn't want to be that guy that just like pulled up like a website and said, okay, Bigfoot sightings in the state, and then just took something from it. So, um, I, again, I wanted it to be original. And, uh, so I came up with a, a game plan to, um, achieve a, uh, a, a Sasquatch encounter from, uh, every state and game plan worked out and, uh, we ended up, uh, um, uh, being successful in the end with it. What a win. That was definitely the right path, man. You, you definitely took me on a trip through every state in the United States and you hit all 50 of them. I was so excited once I realized what you were doing with this that I had to just skip around, you know, uh, skip a couple chapters, go to a state that I lived in. Right. And I had to. I, oh, man, I, I've lived in Connecticut, Florida, Illinois, Wisconsin, Maryland, and Virginia. And I had to read those first. I had to. Yeah. And I can tell you, anybody that does pick up this book, that's what they're going to do. They're going to go and they're going to they're going to go to the states that they've lived in, the states that they visited, where their their spouse or or their their friends are from, because that's what I ended up doing, too. I got a couple good buddies in the, the Navy who I was like, hey, where are you from? And they're like, oh, I'm from Texas. I was like, oh, dude, check this out. I'm sitting there at work and I have your book because I'm you know reading it during breaks and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, dude, check out. Check this stuff. Have you ever heard about this? And they're like, oh, no way. That's awesome. No, I didn't. I didn't. I never heard of that. And I was like, you should do some research, man. So I think I actually sold this book on a couple guys that work for you, too. That's fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. You know, and, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, when I was writing the book and after I got probably maybe 15, 20 chapters in, I kind of thought about it. You know, I'm like, you know what? The when somebody picks this book up, you know, they're going to have choices, you know, with with different books right in front of them. Um, and what's going to make mine different from the one that's right next to it is, you know, it's there's going to be something personalized in my book that maybe the book next to it's not going to have. And, and again, it's going to be some history on their state. Like like I was born and raised in Vermont. So if I was grabbing the book, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to open up that book and I'm going to see, OK, did they give Champ the Lake Champlain monster to Vermont or did they give it to New York? I'm going to look at the history and go, oh, yeah, Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, Ben and Jerry's, all this. So it's like I'm going to be able to relate to it. I'm going to kind of feel at home with it. I'm also going to feel like I'm part of the book. So um, so that was, you know, again, you know, that wasn't initially, you know, part of my plan. Again, my plan was just feeling like, you know, taking people across the country. But then after, you know, like 20 chapters in, I'm like, wow, you know what? I, I, you know, if I was to pick up this book, 
that's the first thing I do is I go right to where I'm from and just, Hey, what's this, what's this clown writing about? And, uh, <laughs> um, and, 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 and dive into it. And, and, and so, so th- I'm glad that that's, that's happening because, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me that, you know, they got the book and the first thing they did was they went right to the state that they're from. And, uh, um, and that kind of set the tone for, you know, the, the rest of the book. And they, they, again, they kind of felt like they were part of the project too. Um, because there's things in there that they can relate to and, um, they don't feel like, you know, with, with some, some, some folks kind of feel like, okay, you've got the authors, you got the author and you've got the book and I'm over here and I'm buying the book, you know, and, and I kind of like the fact that, you know, anybody who buys it, they can kind of feel like they're part of it as well, because it, in reality, it's, it, it really is for everybody else. Because if I wanted to write a book just for me, um, it, I mean, I wouldn't have put it out. And to me, that that would be kind of pointless, and, you know, with the direction that I have and, and where I want to go with it. It worked. That's all I got to awesome. say. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right. So let's dive a little bit into the book itself. So your very first chapter titled Evidence, you made a statement that really stuck with me. You stated, made out to be fun and in most cases laughable, anyone who comes across one's path certainly does not walk away smiling but always in a state of shock. Obviously, you're referring to cryptids. The reason why this stuck out so much to me is because I know exactly what you mean. Because of my encounter, I had a Bigfoot encounter when I was younger. I remember being very scared. And it is an event that I still think about all of the time till this day. And after I read that, I was like, all right, this dude this dude knows what's going on. I'm excited. I just wanted to put that out there, that that statement alone really got me hooked. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. It's, it, you know, the, the thing is, is like, you know, for the longest time, uh, like, you know, Bigfoot was, you know, kind of in a sense, um, kind of underground and Bigfoot recently, I'd say probably in the last, you know, 12 years or so has like become mainstream. So it's like, you know, uh, folks are using it for marketing. I mean, like, uh, you know, Jack links, um, like Sasquatch pizza. So for a lot of people, it's, it's, it's a fun subject and, um, which is good. I, I, I think that's really good. Um, you know, that people also have fun with it because I have fun with the subject, uh, as well, but you know, um, uh, again, there's, there's individuals that have had, uh, an encounter that, you know, has really changed the way that they look at. Um, what they believe their whole life. And uh, so that's kind of why I've got that part, that, that, that section in there right, right at the beginning. And again, it's to kind of, I guess, prepare people, you know, to, to, to read all the rest of the chapters, because, you know, again, what is considered evidence to one person may not be considered evidence to another. Um, and a lot of the time, the evidence, nobody can really explain to a degree, like they think, well, maybe it's this, well, maybe it's that again. So for me, it was just kind of like speaking to, to everybody that, that picks up the book, whether you're a believer, whether you're a skeptic, whether you think it's total, complete garbage, um, the, the subject or, or what have you, that my hope was that, you know, that beginning statement would entice no matter where you were with your thinking and belief system that it would entice you to actually want to pick up the book, read it, dive into it and, uh, you know, go from there again, another very smart decision. You're batting a thousand with this book. Oh, thank you. Well, did I mention I work, I also work in marketing in my day job. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> Here's the thing is like, 
you know, when I graduated high school, like I, you know, I went to college, you know, for, for business and marketing and, uh, I never ended up getting the degree because I was one of those, those guys where I'm like, I don't want to pay for classes that have nothing to do with business that has nothing to do with leadership and marketing. So, um, so I never got the degree, but I've taken so many classes where I, I, I could literally have a bachelor's right now. That's part of my background is like, you know, um, marketing, you know, uh, you know, what, what can you, what can you put out that's going to get people interested and, and want to be a part of what you're doing in, in reality, that's really, really what it is. And every author does it, whether they, they realize it or not, even the one that, that can't stand up and even publicly speak, but they're, they're really good at writing. Um, they're, they're really marketing, um, uh, you know, in, 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 in making somebody part of their project. And, um, you know, and, and that's the whole thing for me is, is when I dived into this, I dived into it just like a regular, a regular guy. Like, you know, how do I also write this as a human being, um, not like an author and, you know, somebody who speaks at events, just just a regular writer guy where I can connect with people. And because, uh, again, you know, that's the biggest thing for me is is relationships um, and uh, getting to know people. So, uh, uh, again, you know, that that was one of one of the, um, you know, the passions behind it is, is uh, again, being a normal person writing it. Um, and, you know, putting anything else aside and, you know, just, just going for it. Obviously your two worlds, your author, you know, being an author and then having that background or the, I guess the foreground in marketing, it just works, huh? It's like peanut butter and jelly. It, it is. It, it, <laughs> it, it really is, you know, and that's why, and, and the thing is, is, um, you know, I, I've got, you know, I've had people, you know, give me a little bit of slack, you know, and, uh, you know, cause, um, well, I don't want to say slack, I guess a little bit of crap, you know, just because I do post a lot and I do push my name. I do push the book. Um, but it's part, part of it's because that's who I am. You know, um, I, I played in bands for years and put out albums and, um, I mean, we were, we were huge in Puerto Rico. Don't ask me how, how that came about. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, and it's just, it's just part, you know, um, you know, sales and marketing is just something that I really enjoy doing. And when you can take something that you're passionate about and you can, you, you can market it in a way where, um, again, you're not putting yourself any better than the reader. I think that's, that's a recipe for success right there. And that's how, how I've always seen it regardless, you know? Um, it's like, you know, people w will want me to sign their books, autograph their books or, or pictures or whatever. And, you know, I still look at them. I'm like, you know, I'm no better than you. Right. You know, it's just like, we're still, you know, I, I appreciate you wanting, want, wanting me to do that. But at the same time, I also want you to know that you and me are on the same level. We're on the same playing field, no matter what, whether you see me on TV, you see me speaking, you see me this and that you and me. We're human beings. We're on the same level and we're going to, we're going to do this together. We're going to walk this journey together. And, uh, um, if you write a book, guess what? I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to buy it. So, um, it's, uh, again, it's, it's, you know, life's a, life's a journey. And, uh, I'll tell you, it's lonely if you, you don't have relationships with folks. You obviously have pride in what you do. Kenny, I'm not going to lie to you. If I, if I saw you talking about a bunch of these different things that you're going to be at later on this year, which we'll get to here eventually, if I come by and I come by your table and you're selling this book, I'm going to whip out my copy and get a signature from you. I hope you know that. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and the th thing is, 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 is if the roles were reversed, I'd be doing the same exact thing. I'd be doing the same exact thing. So, 
but I think I think what makes this book or what made this book so good was because you had so much pride. You know, it, it's self pride is fine, right? You said that you you were very popular. You push your stuff. If I feel better going and getting a book from someone who has pride in their work. You know what I'm saying? I it it, it feels better that you like your book. That means that I could have a possibility to like this book. So pushing yourself on social media, I mean, who wouldn't? If you're proud of something you, you that you did, why wouldn't you? I, exactly. I'm not. I'm not bumming you for for none of that. All right, let's get into some of these questions because I've definitely got questions about the book. Good. All right, I'm ready. Also, in the first chapter, you stated that there are on average a total of about 400 encounters each year. Yet many of these encounters go unreported due to the witnesses believing that they will fall victim to ridicule and embarrassment. So my question is to you. Now this, I'm talking to the cryptozoologist, Kenny. Yes. All right. How many of these reported and unreported sightings do you believe are misidentification? Oh, geez. I'd say that there are probably, I know this is, this is going to tick off some people, but there's probably 75% of them are probably uh, misidentifications. And, um, and, and the reason I say it like that, um, and this is kind of my thinking behind it. How many times have you been in the mall walking through and, and you see that, that guy you went to high school with, you're like, Oh, I know that guy, you know? And then you get about 10 feet from him and you're like, Whoa, hold on. That's not him. You know, it's like, how many times have you thought that you saw somebody in a climate controlled environment with all the lights in the world and you've still been wrong? Now, let's think about an encounter that was literally two seconds long and from 50, 60 yards away in the woods, in a field, could be at night, you know, lighting, depending on what's going on. Um, I mean, it's it's I, I think that there's a lot of misidentifications. I, I really do. Um, there are animals that, you know, from a distance, depending on how they're standing, what they're doing could really look like something. Um, but at the same time, you know, a, a lot of the encounters from the folks that I've talked to, they, they've said that it fits this description, but I can't tell you 100% that that's what it was. Um, there's been some, again, that, that were adamant, you know, hey, I saw this, I saw this, I saw this, I know exactly what this was. And, um, so, you know, for me, you know, if somebody, somebody can say that that's fantastic. Um, I take both, you know, encounters as, as very credible, but, um, again, there's so many, there's so many logical reasons why somebody could have seen what they saw, um, that, you know, the more I talk to them, if they don't kind of go, they, they don't rule out any logical reasoning behind what they saw like if they're automatically well this is what i saw and um again it wasn't like five feet from them 10 feet from them i mean it was like 500 yards away you know i, I don't know it could definitely be be a mis misidentification but i really i really think that there's a lot of misidentifications um not saying that the person you know is 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 crazy or can't see um you know, I just want to put that disclaimer out there, but I, yeah. I think there's, I think there's a lot of misidentifications. Um, you know, your, your adrenaline gets going. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that, that can happen. And, uh, 
Um, again, not saying, you know, anybody's a bad person or, or anything like that, but I, I think that there's a lot of misidentifications, uh, in, in compared to, um, you know, a lot of the sightings that are now getting reported. You're a solid dude, Kenny Irish. Just want to say that. Thank you. I really, really love that answer. And f- for tons of reasons, one, it tells me that you're not one of those people that will believe in everything. And that makes me appreciate you as a cryptozoologist and your book even more. I, I really do. I, I like it when there's realism in the field of cryptozoology. I just guessed it on another podcast called the Shadow Band Podcast. The host there, he really let me express myself when it comes to cryptozoology because he had me on as the, the cryptozoologist guest. Um, I'm, I'm very, very amateur. I am as desk cryptozoologist as it comes. Join the club. Um, <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> I, I told him that I eventually want to become known for is how I create this line between cryptids and, and urban legends. Because personally, in my own personal belief, and I'm, I apologize for getting onto myself here. No, not at all. This is a conversation. Oh, yeah. Uh, is that I, I think that there needs to be a harder line set because I. I really, really would love to see some real science done behind uh, a creature such as Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. And I think that the whole field of cryptozoology really gets uh, laughed at because the pool of cryptids is so diluted. You know, I'm, I'm not going to put any examples out there because every single cryptid out there has had somebody encounter it or had a witness. And I don't want to step on anybody's toes right now. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to give any examples. But I mean, you're a cryptozoologist, you've heard them all, you know, which ones that are probably less likely. I look at a cryptid and I say, is this biologically capable of being a creature? I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, Kenny, but from, from your answer there, I feel like we're more on the same wavelength. I mean, absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, but I really appreciate that. And I'm now extremely interested in a lot of this stuff that you have to say, which is crazy because I was already extremely interested in everything you had to say. <laughs> well, well, you know, the, 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 you, you said something, you alluded to something there, which is, which is important. And I, I mention this all the time and I say this all the time. You know, there's enough evidence out there to suggest that there's something going on. But unfortunately, this is a subject that has no accountability Meaning um, the example I always use, if somebody says to me, you know, black bears, you know, can turn their skin inside out during the summer to stay cool. Well, I can go down to my local library and find out that that's not true. Right. Um, This subject, anybody can say anything. And there's 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 no way to really combat it um, and, and come up with what's what's truth and what's not what what somebody wants to believe compared to what is actually there. Um, you know, for instance, I'm a person like, I don't want to believe, I just want to know. Um, you know, cause I, you know, for me, like when there's something that I want to believe in, I become overpassionate about it. And then I could kind of in my own mind. And again, this is my own mind, you know, kind of make something maybe a little bit more than what it is. Um, but you know, so, so again, I, I, I don't necessarily want to believe, I just want to know. And, um, I'll tell people I'm a 90%, 90% of me is a skeptic or excuse, excuse me. Yeah, no, no, wait, no, sorry. My math's wrong there. <laughs> 10, 
90% of me wants to believe and 90% or 10% of me is a skeptic. And, and, and I think, you know, I've had people get upset because of that. Well, then why do you do that? Well, it's like, well, well, first and foremost, I have a love for the subject. You can still not 100% believe in something and still research something, look into it, have a passion for it and enjoy it. Um, but I'm also 10% skeptic because I want to approach each situation um, with enough of an open mind to be able to be able to say something isn't logical or this is logic, this makes sense. And having enough of an open mind also allows you to have conversations with individuals that um, don't necessarily believe what you believe or, or where you're at, or they believe in something. And so if you can have somewhat, you know, if you're not drawing hard lines in the sand, you can really learn a lot more. And again, when it comes to a subject, and I'm going to say it again, and I, I preach it with zero accountability, we have to make sure that we, we watch our steps. We're careful what we're saying. Um, because what's going to eventually happen is there's answers are going to come out and then we're going to have to, we're going to have to answer to those answers. If, if, if you will, um, you know, just last year, you know, the, the government, you know, finally admitted, Hey, yes, FYI, there, there are UFOs, you know, it's just like, they finally like admitted it. I mean, they, they waited until there was a pandemic. So, <laughs> um, they kind of hide it a little bit and, and, you know, like, you know, Hey, yeah, there's UFOs, by the way, COVID's here and uh, it's, it's killing people, you know? So, you know, that's just kind of how, how the government releases things, but um, there's questions are going to get answered eventually. And um, there's some people out there right now that are doing some really good work and <laughs> folks that um, are, are, you know, part of the, the scientific world that are out there doing it right now, just kind of behind closed doors. And there's a reason for it is because they, they know that there's something there and there's something going on. So again, that's why I don't draw any hard lines in the sand because I don't know. Plus also if I say, okay, I know, well, then what's the point of even continuing on doing what I'm doing? True. In reality, it's, 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 it's about the, it's, it's about the, the mystery of it is what really pumps me up in the, the what ifs. And uh, I think that's what a lot of, um, you know, you know, stories do for people and that's kind of what what kind of brings people in like the the not knowing and the what if you know if if that gets you excited then you know um you're gonna be really disappointed when you get all the answers you want and then there's nothing more to look for you know some people say that's kind of like that'll be just the beginning but at that point in time because i'm not a scientist um then i'll i'll, I'll end up being kicked to the curb and uh, you know by the the whole subject and this whole subject will turn into uh you know um all science and um, right now, um, there's 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 more mystery than there is science right now to it. And I think that's also what makes the subject popular. We are way behind. I've got a ton of questions for you. I got to get out, Kenny. Okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah, no. All right. I'm ready. So the wampus cat. Mm -hmm. So this is a creature that I have read about in many books and online articles. Uh, you brought a different view on it when you introduced the Cherokee tribe believing that they can shapeshift into a flesh-like human form. I've seen, I've seen a lot of wampus cat lore and everything out there. A lot of times it's just a large cat, you know, 
it takes cattle and you know does what predatory felines do do you think that this definition of the wampus cat is similar or may even be the same as other tribes would describe as a skinwalker that's that's the thing you know depending on which which tribe you know you're talking about um in regard to you know usually you know when it comes to you know skinwalkers uh, a, a lot of folks will will put them you know kind of uh, jumble them together with um wolves you know it's 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 kind of hard to say like like there's no like real answer there because you know when you talk about you know something being physical but then when you talk about something also being spiritual it kind of pulls them apart and makes them kind of different uh, again i mean shapeshifters um skinwalkers we don't necessarily know everything about them so it could be multiple types of um different creatures that are you know that are roaming the earth and they actually are ship uh shapeshifters so i mean that's again really it goes to which tribe i guess you're talking with because they've all kind of they they all kind of speak the same story um in the same legend but yet some talk of the wampus cat to be flesh and blood 100% flesh and blood while others talk yeah. about just being spirit um mm-hmm. you know it's it's you really have to search to find um you know the the segments where um tribes are talking about the wampus cat being of spirit you really have to look for it um and do some research usually it's 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 all flesh and blood um but you will come across ones that that will tell you that they are flesh and blood but they can also turn into spirit at the same time so you will so you, you get multiple you get multiple answers when you you research into it um depending on which tribe um which generation of the tribe too that that you're uh, looking into um some a lot of the time when you go further further back um you know into the generation of a certain native american tribe you know 150 years ago um it, you know a, a lot of it was spirit a lot of it was spirit <clears throat> animals and spirit figures that they, that they spoke of and then you know as you know it, it you know, the years go by and the generations, then it's, it's flesh and of spirit. Um, so it's, it's really, it really depends on, I guess, which tribe you're, you're, you're talking about. And, um, you know, and I, you know, some people, you know, don't like it when you say which generation, because they feel like you're, you're stating that they're changing it as the generation goes. But if you read the history and you go back on it, you will see that the the stories and the the lore will change sometimes depending on um you know different tribes and different generations of tribes. Yeah, I think I was referring to I I, can't, I don't know I don't have the actual names, but the tribes that are in like Utah, New Mexico, the ones where the the Skinwalker is very prevalent. Right. I'm going to ask you another question. And I'm going to jump back into Skinwalker after that because okay. I've got a, a follow up question that kind of combines both Dogman and the Skinwalker. Okay. There have been plenty of encounters coming to the surface now of Dogman or a lycanthrope-like creature running all over the United States. Do you think that the encounters of werewolves, as you mentioned in your chapter on Arizona, or the wolf-like man from Maine, could be Dogman encounters, similar to the animal you highlighted in in your chapter about Michigan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Without a doubt, I mean, I personally, for years, have always put Dogman in a um, werewolf category, anyways. If you look at like you know, because you, you you've noticed that there's been a lot of dogman sightings in the last like 
six or seven years. They have um, blown up. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think I think some of the reasoning behind it blowing up, and again, I could could be completely wrong, but there was a time where you didn't come out and say that you saw a Bigfoot. True. You just didn't do it. And then the show uh, Finding Bigfoot came out, which I love. I love the show. And it made um, it made Sasquatch and Bigfoot mainstream. Um, and it made it actually cool. So I think now that um, cryptids and monsters are considered cool, and it's kind of the thing to do, I think folks that encountered something that, that they saw as a dogman-type creature, I think they're coming out now and talking about it because it's not as... Like before, I mean, you get you get you get hammered for it, um, you know, coming out saying that you you saw a monster. You know, you're you're a complete nut job. But again, now it's cool to say that you had an encounter. Man, there's so many things. <laughs> my my mind's all over the place, Kenny. Um, trying to stay focused here. <laughs> let's let's dive into maybe a possible connection between skinwalkers and dogmen. Right. Okay. Look at the history of dogmen. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm just going to put this out mostly for for my listeners here, so that they can kind of connect the dots themselves. The the Lucaru, right? The the mm-hmm. the werewolf from France came over, and you can see that there's a clear path potentially from Michigan, kind of spreading out throughout the whole United States and Canada and everything. And honestly, all the way throughout the entire world, where you're seeing dogman sightings, and then also from Louisiana out with the Rougarou. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why that is for anybody listening right now is because there was two major colonies, if you will, that were originally founded, I guess you can say, by France. You had Louisiana and you also had Canada. The The reason why Michigan is so prevalent with Dogman, and this is you know my theory here, is that the, the Lugaru stories came from France. And of course, there's that that natural waterway through the Great Lakes, and Michigan is right dead center in all of those. And then you also have the Gulf of Mexico coming up through Louisiana, and the the whole story of Dogman kind of spread from those two positions outwards. And you can kind of see where the the growth was. I got two questions here for you. One. I mean, you kind of answered this already, but now that I've said this, now, do you think that there is legitimately a new thing? Do you think that they've grown? Because obviously Dogman started in Michigan, right? You have the the, the, the Michigan Dogman. That's what Michigan is known for when it comes to cryptids is the Dogman. Yes. Same thing with Louisiana, the Rougarou. Yep. Do you believe that, that they actually started there? Or do you think that Dogman has just kind of been here all along? I I, I think um, Dogman has been here all along. I really do. Um, I think, you know, um, when folks have potentially, you know, um, seen something in the distance and assumed it to be a Sasquatch, I think it very well could have also been a Dogman. Um, but I, I think they've, they've been here all along. And, um, and again, you go back, you know, you, you study the Native Americans and their lore. Um, they talk about, um, uh, you know, dog-like human beings um, walking the earth. So, yeah, I think they've been here all along. I, I just think that there's, there's areas where people maybe were a little more forthcoming. Um, like you, you think about Louisiana. Um, uh, and you know, when you, you do any history on Louisiana, I mean, there's, 
there's so much mystery surrounding that state, you know, in regards to, you know, witchcraft and voodoo and different things. So I think talking about a, a, a dog man in an environment uh, uh, of a state that is so open with um, witchcraft and, and, and different things happening, I, I think that's probably one of the reasons why um, so many so many sightings have been reported out of there is just it's it's a little more natural, I guess, for the environment. Um, there's a lot of people that are walking the streets that um, in Louisiana that, that consider themselves vampires and, and drink mm-hmm. people's blood. So I, I think that, again, they've been around. Um, they've always been around. They've been around before we even put the put the name dog man on them. And, uh, um, and, and I think that that's just, you know, um, again, we're just, as things get a little more open and people are more willing to come forward and talk about different encounters and different, um, you know, visuals of something that they saw that they couldn't necessarily explain. I, I just think people are a lot more comfortable with it now, but I will definitely say that, um, I believe they've been around since before people started looking into it. I just think that you know, it like with Sasquatch, you know, living, you know, in harmony with, you know, uh, a lot of the Native American tribes. I think it was probably something similar with uh, a, a dog-like creature. And uh, um, just after a while, you know, we, you know, they just, they had to start becoming, you know, stealth and, um, you know, weren't appreciated and respected. I'm going to tie this back into skinwalkers, like I said. When I think of skinwalkers, because I'm, I'm also on sort of the same line as you, Kenny, I think that Dogman has kind of been around. I find that the biology of Dogman is a little hard to get over. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to dive into my theories on that right now. But I have a theory about skinwalkers. And I put this out there with all due respect to, to every person. I, I do not mean to uh, step on anybody's toes or anybody's heritage. And I, I definitely don't mean any disrespect. When you hear the stories of skinwalkers, primarily skinwalkers... Uh, shapeshift into wolves. That's what I hear a lot. Now, I know that they have the ability to to shapeshift into almost anything that they damn well please. And this is where I, I want to say I'm sorry to anybody that takes this offensive, but let's take let's talk about a primitive society such as a tribe from way, way, way back in time when they were originally creating these these legends and these lores and these stories surrounding a shape-shifting human being that is able to shape-shift into a a wolf or an upright walking dog. Mm -hmm. Do you think that a primitive human being looking at an upright walking dog, a lycanthrope, if you will, sees this and says, that thing is half man, half dog, and creates a story to go along with it, and now you have a shapeshifter? Because it looks like a canine and it looks like it could be mixed in with human being. I guess, Kenny, what my question is, do you believe that there's a clear cut difference between a skinwalker and a lycanthrope? Or do you think that somehow they kind of got jumbled or that they are the same thing? I guess my my best answer on that is I don't know. I I think that there is jumbling without a doubt. Um, I think that a folk, you know, somebody who might have an encounter might go on Google to try to look up and see what it is and maybe get dog man. You know, the first thing that pops up. So they're like, okay, that's gotta be it. Um, They could go on and, you know, uh, a skinwalker shapeshifter, you know, type of uh, being could pop up and then that's what they go with. 
Um, a lot of the time, I, I guess it, re- it really depends on the person who, who's going in and, and, and what they're looking up and what they're reaching out to. Me personally, um, again, I, I, I have no, I guess I, I have no theory on it. Um, and so I guess that's why I'm saying I don't know. But I would have to believe that, you know, they would be jumbled together and they would be put under possible same category. Um, especially for somebody who maybe has has never heard of you know um, you know a dog man you know they may they may have heard of werewolf which I put werewolf and dog man under the same under the same category yeah. skinwalkers I don't I you know because you know werewolves and dog men are considered to be flesh and blood well where uh, skinwalker is more considered to be of, of a spirit so I actually do separate the two. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, but um, I, I would say, um, you know, somebody who hasn't looked into skinwalkers, shapeshifters, werewolves, dogman, you know, um, could potentially just mix them all together and just put them all in the same boat. But um, again, I, I don't for the simple fact that um, from everything I've read and what I've researched, um, dogman and werewolves are flesh and blood and uh, skinwalkers are spirits that of you know in, in some even say they're spirits of um uh witches or evil tribes people that you know um just wanted to do evil and now they're cursed with you know you know turning into uh um an animal that was supposed to actually be um turn into something that that they're supposed to be dominant over but now they're part of that as well and, and it's a curse for being disobedient yeah. Um, so, so in my opinion, um, again, they're, they're, do they get, again, do they get all put together? Absolutely. Um, but me personally, I separate them. I put flesh and blood with flesh and blood and spirit with spirit. Good answer, Kenny. I like it. In your chapter about South Carolina, you describe the boo hags mm-hmm. and tell about how the experience with them is what other people around the world will refer to as an episode of sleep paralysis. I'm very curious as to where they came up with the name hag, because there are areas of Canada that describe this experience as being visited by the old hag. Almost every civilization around the world has lore and stories to go with the phenomena of sleep paralysis. So I was just kind of curious, do you know anything behind the, the, I guess, the lore of the boo hag? To be honest with you, I had never heard of the boo hags until I started doing this project. And then... The second I heard about him and I read about him, like I was intrigued and just pulled in by it because to be honest with you, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, paranormal Mm ghost-like and, but yet extremely terrifying, you know, um, I haven't been able to get, you know, all the answers to the boo hags, um, I don't know how they came up with the name. I don't know if I, I know it, it, it came from um, it came from an, uh, a Native American tribe. And of course, right at the moment, um, the name of the tribe, I, I can't think of it. Um, but they um, they came it, it originated out of um, a Native American tribe. And um, they're like witches and they will, you know, go into your house at night while you're sleeping. And, um, one of the descriptions of what they'll do, and I don't know exactly what they mean by this, but they say that they will, they will ride the male body 
to exhaustion. And then at that point in time, breathe in, you know, breathe their soul out of them or try to breathe their soul out of them. And the reason why, you know, some people say that, you know, it's actually sleep paralysis is because when folks have said that they've woken up to what they, they believed was um, a, a boo hag on them, um, it was like heavy, completely heavy weight on their chest and they couldn't mm-hmm. breathe uh, and they couldn't move. Um, so that's why, you know, a lot of folks say, oh, no, that's just sleep paralysis. But the reason the legend is alive and still talked about is because certain people have actually said that they've opened their eyes and they've actually seen a witch creature type of entity on them. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's why, you know, you can't just say, well, oh yeah, this is just sleep paralysis. Um, but it originated, um, again from a a native American tribe and, to be honest, you know, um, I gave, gave it to North Carolina. Um, but you know, you'll, if, if you research it, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll find different, different encounters like this all through the country. Um, but it's just, it was the, one of the tribes from that area that actually, you know, coined, you know, the, the, the name Buhag. Um, I don't know how they came up with it and what their meaning and reasons behind it were. But that's where it came from. So one thing that I really want to do, right? This is, like I said before, Kenny, this is my own project. I love Mm -hmm. books. I love authors. This has been an absolute blast. So I've got a surprise question for you. All right, let's do it. The original story of the Wendigo is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it it started with the Algonquin tribe in the northeast uh, portion of the United States and maybe even in Canada. And basically what a Wendigo was, was a, was a human being that turned into a cannibal and was cast aside by the tribe and became this being that craved food so much and its hunger never died that every time it actually had a meal on human flesh instead of feeding the hunger the body grew bigger and bigger and the hunger never went away the nutrients that it was taking wasn't feeding its stomach it was feeding its body and its body was growing but its stomach was staying empty nowadays you see a completely different Wendigo creature. You see an upright walking agulet, right? And a deer or an elk with mm-hmm. a skull head or torn flesh all over its face. And it's got the antlers. And sometimes you see these long claws on its hands. And you have the ankle hawks, sort of like how a dog man would stand up, you know, with the, the knee looks like it's bending backwards. You see some really, really strange stuff. How How did the story go from it being a cannibalistic human being to this upright walking agulet. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, that I don't know. And I, I hate to say <laughs> it. I hate to leave it on that, but I'm also one of those guys where if I don't know, I'm not going to try to come up with a cool sound and answer. Hey everybody bear with us while we take this quick break. Greetings, I'm Declassified Dave. I'm Mystery Mike. I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Join us on the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour Mondays, where we look into the dark secrets of the conspiratorial world. 
We'll explore the likes of government cover-ups, the existence of otherworldly beings, unexplained phenomena, and cryptids. We tackle these topics with an open mind, a sense of humor, and dapper drippage. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen on all podcast platforms. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're not, you're not a bullshitter, Kenny. <laughs> no way, no way, no way. You know, I, I you know, I, I, you know, I'm not sure, you know, and, and, and the thing is, is like, you know, when they talk about Wendigo too, when, um, it's, you know, they're, they're, they're considered to be all over the place now where, you know, when you look back at, um, you know, the lore of where it came from, it's one person. Yeah. But, you know, so if you look at, you know, uh, again, you, you you look more into it where, you know, they say how, you know, some have, um, you know, been forced to become a, a, a cannibal because of a certain situation, you know, maybe, you know, being hungry and, and with a friend and then something happens and they, they still have to eat. And then now they're cursed, you know, due to it and they become a Wendigo. Um, there's 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 many, many different different stories that that are out there. Um but yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, it's, it, it's, it's probably one of the, the, the most terrifying, um, legends that I've come across and, you know, out of anything that I, if I ever came across anything in the woods, the, I, I wouldn't want, I'd rather come across a dog man in the woods than a, a Wendigo. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> and it, yeah. So I, I mean, you know, I think that the, the desire um, uh, you know, to, to eat human, human flesh was, you know, it was, um, you know, cause some, some folks, you know, said that it's just a, it's, it's, it's a mental, um, it's a mental defect. Um, and you, you know, there's usually something wrong with the individual, but, you know, again, you know, everything I've read up on, you know, it's, 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 it's even considered to, to be considered like a mythical creature. Um, I, you know, and some people put mythical and spiritual, you know, all in the same boat. Um, and again, there's so many, you know, depending on what you read, it, it, it really, it will take you in different directions. And, um, it's again, I'm, I'm not afraid to say, you know, I don't know. I can't, I can't give a, 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 an answer where I'm actually feeling confident about giving it. Um, cause you know, depending on what you read, it it's, it's different. It can be very different of mm-hmm. how, when, when, it, when Dago came about, uh, Wendigo came about and, um, there's multiple different stories, but you know, the one thing that, that remains true is, um, anybody, you know, that became a cannibal, um, or any type of individual that was seen as a, as a, uh, Wendigo, um, you know, ended up getting, getting, getting possessed, um, by something after they, they ate human flesh. That's the one thing that remains the same in all these mm-hmm. stories. 
Yeah. Um, so that's the, I guess that's, that's the only thing that I can actually say that, you know, um, they're, they're, you know, uh, regardless of where it's spotted, what part of the country, what part of the world, um, it's the, you know, the, the, you know, unsatisfying, unsatisfiable, you know, spirit that, um, you know, just it, 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 I've also heard too, and that one of the reasons that they'll, they'll eat the flesh too, is that they'll get the energy from the body and it'll help them continue to live and bring energy to their spirit. Um, so again, there's so many different ways that you can approach the Wendigo and, uh, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I got a lot. This is the thing. I got a lot of, I I've got a lot of knowledge on the Wendigo, but mm-hmm. no actual, no actual facts, if you will. No problem, man. I don't think anybody does be honest with you. It's a, it's a tough subject and, and it's a tough question. That's what it was meant to be. Yeah. You know, I was just kind of picking, picking the brain of a, a cryptozoologist and seeing what your opinion was on it. Kenny, I got one more question. I need to know, where did you get the idea to write this book? I, I want to know, where did Kenny, the cryptozoologist, the cryptopunkologist, where did, where did he come from? Everything came from a mind of a child growing up loving monsters, um, loving Godzilla, loving King Kong, uh, the Wolfman, Frankenstein, and um, just the the imagination behind it and the mystery behind all of it just staying with me as a as as a as a young child and as as I grew up just continuing to you know uh love the subject of anything monsters like i i had never even heard of the word cryptid um uh or, or even heard of cryptozoology um for for years um it was it was just growing up in in northern Vermont near Lake Champlain and having a love for um, the, the thought of a Godzilla type creature living in the lake near where I lived, and uh, that just kind of kind of stuck with me. And um, you know, when I, I I couldn't be reading a book that had to do with um, some type of um, um, monster or creature, if I couldn't be watching a, a movie or a TV. Um, I, I remember sitting in my room one time and just drawing pictures of monsters and then from there writing stories to go along with it. And that's kind of, I guess, how it got, it, it kind of got rolling on the writing aspect of it. I did that when I wasn't, I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't, you know, um, I couldn't be watching a movie. I, you know, I was just in my room and wanted to continue the the you know the, the imagination that i had going and just you know i i even remember as as a young kid like role playing like you know king kong parts in the in the movie you know it's like yeah. you know i'm like 6 years old and you know i've got those little green you know little toy soldier things you know and all pointed at me and i'm stepping on them i'm knocking things over and uh, <laughs> so i was you know i i was that kid and um all that just stayed with me and then as i got older um, moving into, um, you know, music and, and, and enjoying music. Um, like I would always like, like I can put like, you know, punk and hardcore, um, you know, like I, I think of monsters when I think of that too, you know, like yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think of them as, you know, some kind of like, like goofy thing. You know, if I think of, you know, like this, this, this wicked breakdown in this song, you know, it's like, I, I can like picture like a creature or a monster to it. 
And uh, so, you know, as, as years went on, I just loved the subject and I, I you know, I love music and um, that's actually how, you know, we came up with the, uh, the nickname, the crypto punkologist taking two of my, my, my biggest passions and putting them together. I love it. Kenny. Yes. This has been a wild ride, man. Well, thank you. I really thoroughly enjoy your book. I just put in to the cart on my Amazon, your kids book. Okay, my, kids, awesome. my, my kids are also very into cryptids as well, especially my 10 year old little girl. I have a couple Bigfoot encounter books that she reads through. But for anybody else that's interested, he has another book that came out uh, January 15th, 2020, called Stanley Riker and the Bigfoot Runaround. It's a kid's book about a third grader named, named Stanley Riker, who goes to camp and finds out that the camp has been shut down due to Bigfoot sightings. And they go on an adventure to try to capture the beast. I know that I'm going to read it, too. I'm not going to lie to you, Kenny. <laughs> well, well, no, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. I was a grown man who wrote it because you know what? I remember back when I was in third grade and like the world was magical, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, so I like going back, back to third grade. And, uh, um, and, and, and that's the thing is um, with that book, you know, there's so many books out there right now, um, but not for the age group of like, you know, um, you know, five to 10. And it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a fun book. I had a lot of fun writing it. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the characters, you know, are very, um, very alive, if you will. Um, yeah. and very much at the third grade level of thinking, but they're a little bit, um, a little bit crazier because, you know, um, they, they, they still have that, you know, the, the world is a magical place and uh, we got to save it. So it's actually a follow up to a book that I released with a, a different publisher back in 2014 called Kevin in the Upside Down Halloween. Had a falling out with that publisher. Um, so that book isn't in print anymore, um, but it is in the process of being rebranded and, um, uh, you know, possibly being re-released in 2022, which is I'm, I'm really, really excited about. And um, uh, Stanley Riker in the Bigfoot Runaround is actually the rebranding of the characters. Really? So it's a, yeah, it's actually a series. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, I I'm, I'm I'm excited about it, bringing it back around, and uh, um, it did well the first time around. But it was also for a different. It was it was like a, a a different audience at that time, and it's like you could definitely bring you know anything Halloween back around. Um, into any subject and, uh, people, you know, people will enjoy it, but, um, yeah, Stanley Riker and the Bigfoot runaround. I, I, I love it. I've been able to do, um, you know, Skype classes, you know, Skype meetings with, uh, you know, classes and, you know, for young kids. And, um, I've had, uh, um, you know, classrooms, you know, read it, you know, in their, their, for their classroom and, you know, all the kids write me letters and, um, asking questions. So it's just, it's great. It's, you know, to be able to, um, you know, write in, in a way where, you know, young adults and adults, you know, can enjoy your, your publications as well as, you know, um, you know, the, the, the younger generation, the younger kids can, you know, get right into it and read it and enjoy it as well. That's awesome. I can't wait. My, my daughter was enthralled to see that she's going to be bothered. I, I just got to run it through, you know, the big boss in the house, my wife real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as I, I do, it's going to be here in two days and I'm probably going to sneak the read before my daughter does, but cause she'll be at school and awesome. uh, I'll get, I'll get to read it first. <laughs> Remember reviews, reviews, man. I oh, always, yeah. I, I always tell people too, you know, um, writing a review is actually 
just as important as actually buying the book because that that gives you know the author you know a, a lot of feedback on you know what folks think and um you know it's so so yeah the review i mean one way that you can support an author is is to review their book it's it's, it's a huge 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 thing to to any author I think I wrote my review for your book on Amazon two or three days ago, but it said that it was going to take a couple of days to review. Yeah, I I signed awesome. it at the at the bottom IRH, so you'll know which one it is. Oh, okay, awesome. <laughs> infinite rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, so if anybody listening to this wants to pick up this book, the name of the book again is American Cryptids in Pursuit of the Elusive Creatures. Uh, do Kenny a favor, write a review for him. Uh, you're also on Goodreads too, right? Uh, it should be, yeah. You know, leave a review on Amazon.com or Goodreads or anywhere else that you you find this this book. But before I let you go, Kenny, I just want to let everybody know that that you're going to be quite the traveler here coming up very soon, and that they actually have a lot of opportunities to come meet you in person. You're going to be at the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Festival on May 22nd, where you will be speaking alongside. Get this, guys! Everybody listening. Huge names in Bigfooting, such as Cliff Barrickman from Finding Bigfoot and Ron Moorhead of the Sierra Sounds. You yes. have got to be stoked. I, I am. I, I'm psyched. I'm, I'm a huge fan of both. And Cliff has a um, a uh, uh, Bigfoot museum in uh, the state he lives in, and he yeah. sells sells my books out of there. So it's it'll be nice to be able to meet him. I, I think he's brilliant. Oh, he is. Um, so, and, and then, you know, Ron Moorhead, one of my friends actually just um, uh, was the, 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 he filmed, he, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, what the position is, but he uh, filmed uh, Ron Moorhead's uh, recent documentary. So, um, yeah, I mean, those Cliff and Ron are just phenomenal people, phenomenal people. What I wouldn't give to be in your shoes, man. Oh, I'm excited so jealous but yeah so if anybody wants to go check out this awesome bigfoot festival uh it's in tennessee right yeah yeah uh town said tennessee town said tennessee may 22nd check them out bring your book get a nice fresh autograph on your american cryptids signed by kenny irish a couple other places that you can find him this year he's going to be at the lake champlain monster day festival that's that's pretty much a home trip for you right it is for the most part yeah it's about yeah a little over two hours away that one, and then also the Sasquatch Fest in Whitehall, which we talked about earlier. Yeah. And then you're also going to be at DeadCon in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and CryptCon in, in Lexington, Kentucky. Yep. Yeah. And Dead, DeadCon's, a, a, you know, it's, it, it's a variety of stars are going to be there. Like, um, if anybody was ever into, like, the Friday the 13th movies, they're going to have, like, three guys there that played um, Jason Voorhees um uh, there's going to be so many so many different people there i mean ken gerhard a cryptozoologist he's going to be there um uh the bass player i believe a megadeth is going to be there um all kinds of you know a, a, all kinds of you know big stars are going to be there so you know if anybody's able to get out in the fort wayne area um it's going to be a phenomenal phenomenal event um, I just, uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be awesome. I, I've also even heard that, um, Alice Cooper may end up being there. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. And then CryptidCon, um, as of right now, um, some of the other people that are going to be, um, there speaking, um, alongside me is going to be, um, Cliff Brackman's going to be there. Um, uh, Bobo is going to be there. 
all four of them, all four of them from uh, Finding Bigfoot are going to be there. So they just announced that. So they're going to be announcing their next, um, you know, um, uh, lineup of speakers. um, And I'll be in, I'll be in the next lineup of speakers because I just literally this week got uh, booked there. So um, yeah, so it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. The Sasquatch Festival in Whitehall is going to be awesome. Um, I know Paul Bartholomew, um, who is the, the, the head guy for um, Sasquatch in Whitehall, New York. Um, he's got some books out. He's going to be speaking that day. And Paul's actually going to be at the Champ Lake Champlain Monster Day Festival with me as well. So, um, and then there's going to be a couple uh, filmmakers um, that just released some uh, um, different documentaries that are going to be um, at the Lake Champlain Day Festival as well. So, uh, so, and there's, I've got some other, um, some other, um, conferences and festivals that are in the works that are being talked about right now. And, uh, you know, if all goes through, we'll, uh, you know, we'll definitely be updating them on the website and, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, anybody who's, who's at any one of these, please, you know, please come up and talk to me, say hi to me. I, again, I'm a people person, so I, I, I love to get to know people. Please let them know that you heard about his appearances on Infinite Rabbit Hole. Yes, please do. Thank you very much. I'm going to open the floor up to you. I want you to let everybody know where they can find you. I want your website, your Twitter handle, your Facebook, anything, publisher, whatever you want to do, shout outs. It's all yours for as long as you want. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so the best way to uh, follow me and get in contact with me um, is multiple multiple uh, venues, uh, ways that you can go, uh, different social media. So um, one of them is my website, which is kwirish.com or thecryptopunkologist.com. One or the other will bring you right to my website. On there, you'll you'll be able to you know see all the events um, that I'm going to be at, as well as you know some other links, you know media news. Um, another way is to follow me um, on Facebook. Um, you can, you can search me by Kenny W Irish, the crypto punkologist, and you'll be, you can, you know, just, just send me a friend request and, uh, um, you can follow me on there. All the events that, um, we just talked about, I'm continuing, you know, to promote them throughout, um, throughout the year, um, as well as, um, any radio shows I'm on, um, once they're, you know, they're recorded or, or, or after they're done, I share those out as well. So you can, you can see those. So if you missed one, you can still catch it. Um, you can, you can find me on Twitter. Um, uh, Kenny W Irish author. Um, you can find me on Instagram, which is Kenny W Irish author again. Um, and, uh, again, any, 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 any place I'm, I'm going to be at, you know, feel free to, uh, um, you know, show up there and, uh, say hi as well as you, you can ac- actually also contact me through, um, my, um, uh, publisher beyond the fray publishing um they've got some phenomenal authors on there too so um just be very careful going onto that website because when you see the authors that are also signed to them um you're gonna you're gonna go broke buying all the books <laughs> awesome awesome authors on there right now um some people that we just signed on to just you know just blows my mind and uh it's, you know, it's an honor to be able to be, you know, uh, one, you know, signed with this publisher and to be alongside and on the same team as uh, a lot of those authors that are on there. Because, I mean, it's just a, some of them are ones that I've looked up to for years. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's like kind of like a bucket list thing to be able to, to be uh, represented by the same uh, publishing company. Absolutely. Hopefully one day I'll be there with you, man. You're going places, Kenny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all, that's all I got for you guys. I hope everyone enjoyed this. Kenny, 
You have been a amazing guest to have on this podcast. And once again, thank you for coming on and being my first author. And hopefully sometime in the future, we'll have you back on to come and talk to us about your research with the New York Bigfoot Society. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be I'd be happy to. Yeah, I mean, next time, uh, uh, what we can do is we can have myself and um, the actual leader and founder of the group who is just a, 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 a load of information and just just awesome, awesome guy. He's done a lot of great things. He's, he's done a, been on like a lot, a lot of different uh, TV shows like America's Book of Secrets, um, Sasquatch Planet and just awesome, awesome guy. I mean, every time I talk to him, I learn something new. Just phenomenal. You heard it here first, everybody. (laughs) Well, Kenny, uh, one more time. He is the author of American Cryptids in Pursuit of Elusive Creatures. You can find it on Amazon.com. It's an amazing book. I recommend it to anybody that wants to dip their toes into the world of cryptozoology. Kenny W. Irish, everybody. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time down the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so at infiniterabbithole at gmail.com. Follow us at facebook.com forward slash infiniterabbithole. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash infinitrh. Follow us on Instagram at infinite underscore rabbit underscore hole. We're always looking for someone that has a story to share. So if you feel like you've experienced a strange encounter with something that you can't explain, reach out to us. Let us know. Come on. Have a good time. Tell your story. And if for some reason you don't want to show up on a podcast, send us a letter in our email in a format that we can read to the fans, and we'll be more than happy to read it to everybody. Well, that's all for this episode. We'll see you next time down the infinite rabbit hole.